Stairway to Space, a Europlanet Early Career Network podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the podcast Starway to Space and the second episode dedicated to PhD life. Today we will dig into the primary steps of a PhD including searching and applications, timing and consequent interviews and tips for resume. We really hope to provide you with good tips in all these matters based on our experience. My name is Melissa Mirino and I held a PhD in planetary science. I'm currently a science communicator at Muse Museum in Italy and I'm co-chair of the IPE Communications Working Group. Along with me, behind their microphones, are sitting Pivo Caracozzas, postdoc at ENGB in Bologna, in Italy, terrestrial and planetary seismologist, co-chair of the Early Career Support Working Group, and then Erika Luzzi, postdoc at the Bay Area Environmental Research and co-chair of IPEC, José Eduardo Silva, who held a PhD in planetary science and specialized in planetary atmospheres, and he's also co-chair of IPEC Outreach, and last but not least, Ilaria Di Pietro, technologist at the Italian Space Agency, who got her PhD in planetary science on Mars. She's also a member of many IPEC working groups. So welcome, all of you guys. Now, let's start with the first theme, how to find a PhD. I've personally struggled after my master's studies to find something and I had to wait one year and a half before to find an opportunity. This was mainly because in my university there was not a proper program related to planetary science and many of the PhD calls I knew at the time were already closed. Then, by applying to many open positions the following year, I finally got one. Yay! <laughs> Have you experienced the same, guys? Have you had to wait or you started immediately after your studies? Hello, everyone. Uh, I had to wait more or less nine months to start the new position. I mean, the PhD. However, uh, the beginning was a bureaucratic mess. At the time, I knew I got a PhD fellowship in January, but only signed the contract in June uh, while I was already working for the faculty. Actually, I was teaching a few classes uh, without getting paid. That's another issue. Oh, okay. So you got the PhD, but then you had to wait for fundings. That's interesting, but we will come back to this topic later, um, because it's interesting. Uh, what about you, Ilaria? Hello, everyone. Well, um, during my master's studies, I won a four-month funded position as trainee in the planetary department of uh, Paris 11th University in France and I packed my stuff six days after my graduation, so I was busy while looking for a PhD position. I was shortlisted a couple of times, but those positions were not successful at the end. Uh, but I must admit I was pretty lucky, because then the interview and the selection process I won was pretty fast, and I began my PhD less than two months after the end of that uh, trainship. Oh, okay, that's good you have started immediately after the trainship, but I understand also that it can be frustrating to apply not get it at first. Uh, I remember I've also applied like um, to six or seven positions, something like that, and I've been shortlisted for four positions and uh, only uh, got two. 
was okay. I mean, uh, yeah, again, uh, that was rewarding. Um, what about you, Fibos? Uh, what are your numbers? Maybe in the next episode, uh, we could uh, do like a bingo with the number of PhD applications. Um, I got a PhD student position at the institution that I was doing my master's. Uh, this was my goal and actually never tried something else. So even if I obviously had a plan B or plan C, therefore one application only. Well, in life we also need a bit of luck. And what about you, Erika? Well, I was very lucky because after writing my master thesis abroad, as I said in the last episode, I was offered a PhD position directly with that same group, um, the one that I worked with for my master thesis. So there were other opportunities, and uh, I think this is also something that the master thesis supervisor should help with, if it's a good supervisor, of course. Uh, but I didn't explore much the other opportunities. I just chose to stay because we worked so well together during the master thesis, and I never regret it, honestly. Having a kind, supportive, and enthusiastic advisor makes all the difference in the world. And the winner of the bingo is Erika. <laughs> <laughs> I can sign your autograph later, Mel, no worries. I will wait for it. Um, so Erika went straight to work after the Masters, so we can say that both networking and working hard during the Masters could be good allies, uh, but still they are not guaranteed to, su to succeed uh, to find us a PhD. So let's provide some extra examples. Uh, Jose and Ilaria. How did you find the PhD opportunity? Um, did you apply to a published position like I did, or have you written a, a proposal? Well, I applied for a position in the University of Lisbon. Uh, there was a special program at the time they had for PhDs, uh, and me and my supervisor worked together on a plan for the next three years of work. Uh, and the application went mostly smoothly. Good to hear, Jose. Uh, in my case, I was aware about that possibility by word of mouth, the shortlist selection was made by initial assessment of qualification followed by an interview where uh, I had to explain my three years research proposal, my background and to show my English language skills. That's all. Okay, and uh, you Fibos, how did you find the PhD? Uh, my PhD actually was a follow-up on what I was doing during my master's. Or let's put it more correctly, my master's was the preparation for my PhD. Uh, you have mentioned to me that you have done your uh, postdoc in uh, USA. Uh, what would you suggest to students who are applying or wish to apply for a PhD or a postdoc in uh, USA? Be interested? Seriously, I don't know any tricks or special recipes. Find a subject that you like and be honest with yourself and with the people that uh, you communicate with. I don't think that there is any magic wand there. Show honest interest, build the necessary skills or show the motivation to build them. You're still young before the PhD to have all the skills and show that you are motivated and you can work for achieving your goals. Okay, so maybe we can say that motivation, determination and honest interest might help. Uh, and what about Europe, guys? I personally recommend joining our Slack channel or following our EPEC pages since we publish open positions, <coughs> self-product placement. <laughs> but of course, there are many other ways. Can you tell yours? 
Honestly, I spent the last two years looking for positions in the US, so all the resources I know are US-based. But there are many platforms where universities post vacancies and fellowships, like for example the AGU website or academicjobsonline.org, Indeed. Uh, but I will look especially on the universities or space agencies' websites um, because there are many, many news on, on their websites. And remember that Google is your friend. Well, you're quite right, uh, Erica. Uh, I also know uh, other options in Europe, uh, including the European Astronomical Society, which publishes uh, quite frequently some PhD positions all over Europe, obviously. There's also uh, Euraxes, that's spelled E-U-R-A-X-E-S-S, which is from the European Commission. And sometimes these two overlap, but, but it pays to look in both forums. But most of the time, your master supervisor or team will encourage you to do a PhD in the same place. Uh, in most cases, this is self-serving interest, but depending on what you want for yourself, it might not be that bad. I'd like to mention academicposition.com where aspiring PhD students can also set up mail notifications when a new position pops up. But to the best of my experience, as I said, for all the things I did, the word of mouth is always more effective. And um, uh, what should they expect in terms of interviews? I've always uh, been asked why I was interested in that position and why I wanted to be involved in space research, for example. Um, any uh, other ideas? Um, honestly, the only interview I had so far was for my current postdoc. Uh, they asked mainly about my skills and the data I could work with. And I didn't even have to go through HR to demonstrate that I was not a psycho. So it was quite a quick affair. Well, uh, I can guarantee that you're not a psycho, Erica, so don't worry. Thank you. I, I applied for three uh, fellowships uh, for my PhD. Uh, and on only one of the uh, those I was in an interview, uh, but they mostly asked me about the feasibility of their work plan, and the feeling that I got uh, did not need any interview whatsoever. So, oh wow! It seems that I am the most experienced one. I did five or six interviews for both PhD and postdoc positions. I find out actually interviewers always ask, tell us something about yourselves, what, why do you want to do a PhD or a postdoc, why are you interested in this program, what difficulties would you expect to encounter during this project. And I might suggest that aspiring candidates can easily find these questions online and practice before an interview. Well, next time I will have to prepare for one interview, I will knock your door, Ilaria. You're like an interview veteran. Yes, because maybe I'm the holder, Melissa. And uh, Fivos, tell us about the differences that you have noticed between the process in Europe and uh, in the USA, please. Honestly, I never got into a formal interview process uh, in the US. I did an interview actually only once yet for my current position in Italy. Um, all the appointments that I had were through developing scientific communication with supervisors and mentors. Um, additionally, I would recommend avoiding answering with the first thing that came into mind uh, because rushing is uh, never the best idea. Uh, any other recommendations, guys? Well, you won't believe it, but YouTube is also a great source for academic interview tips. 
There are a lot of videos about how to make a good impressions, how to sound natural and confident, how to effectively introduce yourselves, etc. I strongly suggest our listeners to check it out. Uh, well, maybe I can add, if they ask about something that you don't know very well, like a particular software or skill, etc., just don't panic and tell them the truth. Maybe you can add that you're eager to learn and you could fill this gap autonomously, for example. Well, as I've uh, stated earlier, uh, I cannot say I have a lot of experience uh, on interviews, but I would advise you to just uh, be honest and don't sell yourself too short. Uh, while it's nice to be humble, uh, it can look bad if you, if you think you're not worth uh, the position you're applying. It's always a good idea to learn about the institution you're applying to as well. Showing interest in the institution itself can be extremely positive. Yeah, you're right, uh, José. I have also um, found that it's always helpful to take some uh, information about the institution first. Um, and then, of course, being positive uh, during the interview, but, you know, just maintaining always a professional profile. And, uh, you know, like sentences, I've always dreamed to work here um, without, you know, exaggerating are not bad things to say, uh, you know. But yeah, but you know, when you apply for a NASA position, for example, this doesn't sound so original and definitely not weird or fake. Yeah. <laughs> um, coming back to Jose and Ilaria. You have been among the lucky ones who have remained within the same university for uh, their PhD. Uh, how did you manage to create a competitive resume and proposal in order to get that position? Well, I guess my CV had a lot of related and transversal experiences. For example, I submitted two abstracts to the Lunar and Planetary Science Conference during my master's. I got two language certificates, a C1 level in English and an A2 in French. Moreover, the four months internship dealing with Mars geology was close to the project I proposed for my PhD. I guess it helped a lot. Yeah, I think that uh, helped me too. I mean, uh, having uh, uh, already um, presentations to uh, important conferences um and also abstracts and yeah i mean also um language certificates are definitely uh, useful i mean all of it gives the impression that you know what you are doing even if maybe it's not true anyway that is the impression and uh, what about you Jose? uh well i was never a top student during my bachelor's or my master's um and because of this uh, i've always tried to do other things to complement my cv one of which was uh, joining a project in my institution that promotes science communication. Uh, furthermore, I helped with uh, uh, forming a type of union for the students in my physics degree and tried to collaborate with other national institutions doing different things. So those little extras are, along the way can look very good and show um, the panel that you are versatile and adaptable. Um, are there any tips you would like to provide about the resume, guys? I think that having extracurricular activities is not mandatory, but it might help. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Melissa. It helps a lot. Small projects or courses, improving language skills, transversal activities made me grow as a person and professional. 
but in the last few years I've become a fan of Source CVs. The truth is that it's easy to update and it contains all the things that mattered for the applied position. I usually like to include all my related experience in the cover letter or in the interview if I had the chance. Uh, well, uh, Ilar, that's uh, very, very good advice. Um, well, I believe uh, extracurricular activities, they definitely help. But I always like to caution everybody uh, to not go overboard with this. Uh, it's very easy to fill up uh, your schedule with uh, a lot of different things and leaving a little time for yourself, uh, even if you're not doing anything. Uh, I think one of the main skills that many of us have to learn during the PhD is learn how to relax, how to let go of your work and establish clear boundaries uh, between work and life. Honestly, I'm a big fan of American CVs. Uh, they are short and direct and this way you're not forced to write about that talk that you gave six years ago at a conference and most likely you don't even remember anything about it or, I don't know, any other accessory experience you had. I like my CV to be this way, short and direct. These are my skills, this is where I worked, and these are my publications. And I think the person receiving it will be glad, and I'm glad too, for not having written thousands of words. And what about you, Fivos? One of uh, USA resumes like Erika? I think that uh, the main point of the resume is to communicate the information and also be honest. I have a long resume structured in a way that somebody can read in less than one minute, but also it has all the necessary information if they want to look into details. Okay, um, I know you have also a personal website, is that correct? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, an interesting strategy. Uh, for example, I also add the link to my LinkedIn page and I'm sure it is updated. It is less original, but quite effective to give more details. And what do you think that the interviews, um, the interviewers are looking for when reading uh, a resume? After all these years, I still have no answer to these questions, Melissa. However, on equal terms, of course, I noticed that they are looking for honest applicants. I actually have begun to be shortlisted when I started to write very personal and honest motivation letters. I guess they are bothered by hundreds of standards application. Oh, again, that's very good. I would say it depends uh, on the position you're applying for. Uh, my uh, guess is that uh, the interviewees will ask uh, for relevant experience for the position. Um, and in case of the PhD, uh, if you're applying for a PhD, the place where you did your master's uh, and if you had some sort of international collaborators can also catch their eye. Uh, they might know all these people and then ask them about you. And don't forget that most jobs are granted based on recommendations from colleagues. I honestly have no idea, uh, or I wouldn't have been unemployed for a year after a PhD, uh, but if you figure it out, please tell me. But I guess... Um, I don't know, maybe they look at the previous experience and education a lot and of course the skill set has to be a good fit with what they're looking for. I wouldn't apply for something I know nothing about. I feel like wasting both my time and also the recruiter's time. I cannot be sure about what they're looking for. It is sometimes subjective. However, I'd say that uh, the interviewers, they look for somebody who fits the subject, first of all. Secondly, can prove that they can work efficiently. And third, maybe that they have the potential to pursue an academic career and therefore it is a, a 
future collaborator. Again, there are no magic ones. Uh, you need to show that you are the right person for the right position and the position is the right fit for your career and your goals. It takes some open-mindedness to do so, but this is a core idea, in my opinion, of all the hiring process. Um, that's a good point. Um, what do you think that should be avoided? For example, I strongly recommend not using the Europass font because you want your resume to stand up. The only exception would be the case the Europass font is mandatory, but this is usually specified in the call. Uh, do you agree, guys? Something more to add? Well, Europass CV is a big no for me as well. That's so outdated. I would say less is more. I love the American one page or two pages CV. It makes the point and focuses on the most important things. A good photo, your contacts, your first author, publication abstracts or posters, uh, your education and relevant skills, and you're done. If your application is worth it, you will have time and opportunity to say more about yourself in the interview, of course. Uh, well, uh, some positions uh, require you to edit your CV in a very specific format. It will depend from institution to institution. But on a general note, I would say uh, simple is the way to go. Uh, it has to be short, like uh, one, two, or maybe three pages. And you must adapt to the position you're applying to. So if a position demands some programming skills and you have some, uh, I would recommend you put those in the first sections or in a section that can be clearly seen. Uh, I remember that uh, the panel usually gets handed like hundreds of CVs, so make sure yours is easy to read. Yeah, that's a final really good point, Jose. Thank you. And thank you um, again, guys, for finding the time to share your experience today and to provide so many tips. Uh, before we go, let's play a final little game together. I will call it the code run for a successful PhD project. Um, in the game, you have to tell me all the ingredients you will put inside in the calderon, uh, of course, to succeed uh, in your PhD. So let's do it really quickly, like read a lot of papers, follow tutorials, take notes, go to conferences and talk to people, apply to fundings, uh, of course, apply to our EPEC video contest. A detailed planning, networking maybe? I'd say learning resources and learning opportunities. PhD is a great period to learn. Do courses, follow seminars, assist to talks far from your specific scientific interest. You're going to work to an academic institution, eh? not a paper company. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely go to all the conferences you can and write, 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 write. Even if you feel like what you're writing is not good at all, it's still easier to fix it in the next days rather than having a blank page. <laughs> okay. And with these precious suggestions, our episode ends today. I would like to thank all our listeners for following us. We hope that this episode was useful for you to have a better idea about the process you will face from the submission to the interviews for PhD. Uh, please remember to follow our next episode to learn more about the PhD life. The next one will be dedicated to PhD proposals and the relevance of supportive supervisors. Stay tuned and we will wait for you there. Bye-bye.